Hey, hey, what is going on? Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. First off, gotta give a big congrats out to our co-host here on the podcast, Chris Hopewell. Hope he was named the new president of Softball Nova Scotia this past weekend at the annual AGM. I can guarantee you that there's no one better for this job than him. Uh, I'm telling you right now, and you all know from hearing him on the podcast here, the passion that Hope he has for this game is second to none. This guy eats, sleeps, and breathes our game. I can't wait to see what's in store for our province moving forward. I'm friggin' pumped. Again, congrats, Hopi. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with legendary broadcaster, Saskatoon native, the one and only, Peter Lugardius. Of course, Peter's well known for his play-by-play over the years for both the Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames in the NHL, as well as countless Memorial Cups, but he's also a huge advocate for the game of softball. Peter tells us about getting that love for the game back in the late 70s in Saskatoon with the Harmony women's softball team that would go on to win a senior women's nationals in 1980 in Hall, Quebec. Uh, We talk about all the amazing events he's got to witness at Gordie Howe Park, including the call of Adam Folkard's no-hitter in 2009 as Australia captured its first ISF world title. We also go into a deep dive on the exposure this game gets, or lack thereof I should say, that you're definitely going to want to hear. Peter was an absolute treat to chat with. His knowledge of the game and memory recall is just ridiculous. The fact he was able to take time out of his hectic schedule and come on and chat with us was awesome. Thanks again, Pete. So with that being said, this is Outside the Shoot and Anything Goes. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. Good evening, sir. <laughs> What's up? Not much, buddy. How are you? Good, man. Good. 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 We, uh, we're only a week. Yeah, this is different for like, us. Yeah. Usually it's a two weeks yeah. now and we're, uh, a week apart, but hey man, it's, it's good. That's good. It's yeah. Good. We got a big guest on today, so it's well, kind of sure exciting. Do, yeah. yeah. I mean, Peter Labardius, we, we mentioned last podcast that he was coming on and yep. he's a big advocate for the game. Yeah, I really want to touch on where his advocacy comes from for the game because, like, was he a player? Like, and kind of get his idea of why, or does he have any idea of why our sport isn't televised? For example, Mm -hmm. a Canadian national championship, you know, they'll show a fucking darts game or a a bowling match or like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. When you have each province representing themselves. Yeah. At a national championship, wouldn't it be great for that oh, to be televised Whatever. and to give exposure for the game? Yep, exactly. To, to, I mean, a lot of people know about the game, but to actually be able to see it on national television, that'd be, be pretty sick. Big time. I think I've done it in the past. I remember a long while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Might have been in Saskatoon or something. Definitely the ISFs, which of course are now yes. the WBSEs. I mean, that was. Of course. I know that was definitely televised. Yeah. Uh, I know that like the 2009 one definitely was actually Peter was on the call for Australia right. and New That's Zealand. That's right. Yeah. So it'd just be cool to see it on a consistent basis. Yeah. Let's baby steps first, I guess, True. but you know, have a, have a, uh, something with a national flavor. Well, you know, right. our, our nationals, like, I mean, this year would have been a, a tough one for them to film or <laughs> because we had a five hour delay at the final, but, True. but it's something of that nature. I think it'd be fantastic for the game. Big time. I certainly help promote it. Like yeah, even the ISCs next year. I mean, it's, man, yes, Jesus, it's in so Surrey again. So yeah, long, uh, drive. long drive. It is update on Kenzie. Yeah, so there's not a lot to talk about. Obviously, we we met last week and and discussed her progress. And uh, last or yesterday was day 36, which would have been Wednesday, October the 18th. This mm-hmm. comes up next Monday, obviously. Yep. So on the 18th, uh, Jen posted last night that uh, there hasn't been much change. Kenzie's resting lots, uh, doing her physiotherapy. She's getting up and around, 
which is much better. Um, they're working on some different issues that are going on. Nothing major, but uh, her progression is is moving forward. So awesome. hats off, Ken's. We continuously think about you guys mm-hmm. and the whole Frazier family. And uh, we love you. you and keep on plugging away. You're doing great. Absolutely, Ken's. Keep plugging. Keep doing it. Um, Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah. Got, uh, Bryce Harper is a machine. Philadelphia Phillies are Yeah, they're the friggin' they're wagon, right man. They're, they're on fire. It's fun to watch those games. Um, I mean, I don't know much about Arizona. They did well to get where they got to, obviously. But they look so outmatched right now against Philadelphia. I just know that they have Guriel and Marino from the Jays. And yeah. <laughs> anyway. We don't talk about the Jays, do we? <sighs> Sidetrack. Side Let's go. Yeah. And I saw the Rangers lost to Houston last night. So I can't, that's First loss in the playoffs. Too. Yeah. Two and one or two to one series is now another former Marcus Simeon Blue Jay at the Houston or the oh, Trump, Texas Rangers. That's yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Hopefully anyway, we, we won't that. go into that. <laughs> anyway, it's been, it's been fun to watch so far. Those Philly fans. Just yeah. electric there. They are. It's electric. And they'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> it's crazy. It looks like a couple of Phillies will kill you. you look <laughs> yeah. at that, that oh, marsh yeah. and, and. Oh my God. Yeah, man. Man. Harper, Castellanos. Yeah. Just, oh. They're very good. It's fun to watch. It is. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be over very soon, though, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely but is. the NHL has started. That is right. We, Yeah. That's, that's actually great time to talk about hockey, especially with Peter coming on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Peter's. Play by play with Calgary Flames there for a number of years and yep. color commentary. Uh, but yeah, NHL season started. Uh, it was nice, you know, watching Hockey Night in Canada this past Saturday. It was yeah. fun. At Toronto, Montreal. It was yeah. actually not a bad game. Was that this past Saturday? No. That was Saturday before, wasn't it? Right. Or no, that wasn't even Saturday. That was Wednesday. And they don't meet again until March. Shut up. Yeah, because I was listening to Spit and Checklets and they were talking about uh, Wi Fi fighting Reeves again. Because, uh, you know, they're claiming oh, whatever it wasn't a win and it was a just pushed him into the net, blah, blah, blah. And then they were talking about it, like, it's definitely going to be a fight the next time. How does Toronto and Montreal not play again? <laughs> they said then? they they posted on Spin Just I just listened to the episode on Tuesday when it came out and they said it's not till March. They play again. Something of that nature anyway. Weird. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good teams right now. Mm. <laughs> but if you look at Edmonton. They did not do very well for their start. <laughs> Goalie. Man. Oh my God. It's terrible, isn't it? Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. But anyway, it, it should be a fun, exciting season again. I, one thing I want to talk about, speaking of watching Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, was uh, Kevin Biaxa is just a, a beauty. He is a beauty, man. Oh my God. He, I would love to be his friend. Like, he's such an awesome <laughs> dude. He made me laugh so hard because before the Toronto game even started, he said, uh, you know, <clears throat> Matthews was on pace for. 240 something yeah, goals yeah, on the yeah, season, yeah, right? Yeah. Because of that first game, he had the hat trick and first two games. It. Yeah. But no, that game, oh, he got a second. And then after right. the game, the game was over and they go yeah. back to them. He's like, hey, he's still on pace for 200 <laughs> some goals, yeah. man. Yeah. I laughed so hard. He's just, oh, he's such a beauty. Yeah. He's good. He's one of those guys. I mean, you know, everybody talks about missing Don Cherry and everything. And, but, Kevin Bieksa it's, Yeah, it's a is, total different generation too. Oh, it is. Yeah. 100%. Like, Bieksa can relate to everybody now. Yeah, and he's, exactly. He's fresh out of the game. Yeah. And he just has such a great insight. I love yeah. I love listening to him. As much as you used to love Coach's Corner with, with Don yeah. and Ron, it's it's so different now. Outdated. Yeah, it's so outdated. <laughs> I mean, it was fun to watch, obviously, but Definitely. that was part of our childhood. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah. It was. Anyway, uh it's let's get to Peter, man. This, this we, is the, the shortest the, intro ever. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I I'd love to hear Peter's ba- background on everything. But, sure. You know, we're, we're definitely going to touch on the, on the hockey side of it right off the, right off the yeah. go here. And yeah. here, I mean, like I said to you, he was on that Patrick Steffen call that, uh, right. that he missed the open net. That's right. Dallas down. Yeah. So I can't wait yeah. to get a hear about that and uh, everything else. And, in between, so I want to hear all of his into or you know his take on our game though. Yeah, I yeah. really do. Yeah, yeah. yeah he got to see a lot of it at senior nats. This yeah, he year, did. So. Yeah, let's get to Pete. Didn't, didn't he say he didn't oh. want to meet me in a dark corner? Yeah. Or oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm yeah. gonna have to bring that up. Yeah, in a dark alley. <laughs> dark alley. Dark yeah, alley. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's get to Pete. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Here we go. We are happy to have on with us today, longtime legendary sports broadcaster, a longtime advocate for the game of softball, the one and only Peter Labardius. Pete, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. 
Guys, uh, I've listened to a number of your episodes uh, since you've begun and have always enjoyed it. And thanks for having me as part of it today. Absolutely. absolutely. For sure. We're excited about it. Yeah. Um, So you're, as we discussed before we start recording here, you're on the the road in Quebec, are you? I am. I'm uh, doing a little scouting this year for the Calgary Flames. And it's my first year after... 39 years in a broadcast booth and we'll still uh be calling uh certain events including i'm gonna do a number of games in the upcoming u15 women's world cup of softball excellent starting tomorrow so we'll have my voice on that but uh yeah venturing into a new area and see after uh 40 years of being around the rink every day if I actually know something about the sport. <laughs> well, you've seen enough of it. I'm sure uh, I'm sure your input will be well received. Well, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> so, was this a was this a change you were looking for? It was actually. Um I'd been thinking about not necessarily for sure scouting, but you know, I'd been the color analyst of the flames for the last 10 years and probably for the last two or three. I mean, guys, I make no bones about it. My, my favorite thing is calling live sports. And, um, I really enjoyed the analyst role. And in fact, I'm not sure I'd feel as comfortable or more comfortable scouting without seeing the game from that perspective and that lens. I think it really helped me learn a lot about the sport, but um, there's there's nothing like doing play-by-play for me. So I, I started to venture into some other things on the amateur side, which is an unbelievable love of mine. And, you know, in, in many ways, what kind of rejuvenated my whole fire was doing the Olympic qualifier in 2019 on the softball side. So it, uh, it's a labor, it's a labor of love. I I love calling games and uh, I not just saying this because I'm on a softball podcast, (laughs) but bullshit. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's probably true, but I have come to enjoy calling that sport as much as hockey. Really? The last few years. Wow. Yeah. That, that's yeah. awesome to hear. Yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah. And that's true. And yeah. true. Yeah. So did you, when you got your start calling and broadcasting, did you start in hockey? Uh, for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was the voice of the Estevan Bruins going all the way back to 1985. I actually tried news only to get a job because to yeah. this day I have no interest in news, but a a year after that nearly failed experiment, um, I moved into the sports side and 39 years later, yeah, here I am. That's awesome. Any, uh, any big highlights stick out for you, you know, during your broadcasting career in hockey? Oh, I, Oh, how many? Yeah. I'm Uh, sure there's a lot. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did eight Memorial cups growing up in Saskatoon. That was, incredibly near and dear to my heart. Uh, I had a chance to do eight games at the Olympics in 2010, not games that involved my country, but games, you know, involving others. So that was an incredible dream come true. I called a Canada, Russia U 20 super series in 2007 and went, Oh, right. Went, 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 went to Russia for two and a half weeks and, and played a part in that game, eight game series. So I don't know guys. Um, so many. I still feel, I still feel like, you know, all those things are still there. There are very few events that I don't look back at of any kind of nature pretty fondly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't even mention doing, games in the national hockey league, which obviously was something that I set out to do, but, um, those are certainly just scratching the surface. Right on. What was Russia like? Uh, do we have three podcasts? (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, in general, Uh, in general, I guess. (laughs) I, I, well, 
you know, it was one of the most fascinating experiences uh, of my entire existence. And I'm really, really, really happy um, I had a chance to go. But let's just say a lot of things that you hear about that particular place are not fabricated. Wow. Um, you know, we were certainly watched um, everywhere we went. Game one of that series was played in a brand new arena, which got burnt down about a year and a half later in UFA. I'll <laughs> never forget. I'll never forget um, the army outside and the dogs coming in after, because apparently there was some form of bomb scare Jesus. during the game. Wow. Um, you know, driving in Moscow, which fortunately I didn't and wouldn't do terrifying beyond belief. <laughs> so we flew in a couple of, uh, so-called charter planes that, well, let's just say when we landed in Ufa, we were on one plane where the cockpit was on the bottom, not on the top. So I'm pretty sure that thing was from about the 40s or the 50s. (laughs) It stunk to high heaven. And when we landed in Ufa, there was about a 55-year-old man. You know how normally they bring you in with the cones and, you know, wave you in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This guy was on a bike with a white flag. (laughs) So... And there are pictures. Oh, yeah, but but you know, having a chance, we we spend an afternoon in Red Square, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a sportsaholic. I'm not really a guy for necessarily culture and, right. and all those types of things. But it it was it it was a fascinating, fascinating experience to be in that country, and you know, th- there's also something which you guys are old enough to understand. There's something, you know, if you're of a certain vintage and age about those two countries playing in that country, right. that that give you a feeling that it is hard to describe. So right. that was a that was a really incredible experience. That's, that's, that's awesome. Well, one call I got to ask you about before we move on to Salfo here is the because uh, I know you were on the call for this was when Patrick Stefan missed that goal and Alex <laughs> Hemsky went down and scored the other way. I mean, to this day, that that still blows me away. Maybe uh, maybe touch on that one a little bit. Um, you're not alone, and I knew exactly where you were going when you started the question because <laughs> everybody goes there, yeah. and for good reason. For sure. Um, you know, there's so many things, guys, that I think about. I, first of all, I was just lucky to do the game because at that point, I was doing about 10 to 12 Euler regional broadcasts in the middle of the 2000 decade as time wheels by. So I was lucky enough to be calling the game in the first place. And, you know, there's so much talk about him missing. But for me, the fascinating thing outside of the miss is what occurred after. So if he doesn't pull the puck back to Jarrett Stoll to begin with, if it stays under him, it's done. And and yes, we're focusing in on the miss, but nothing else. Right. But to have that puck in about six seconds get from Jarrett Stoll in the left wing corner to the Oilers net, 100-foot pass to Ryan Smith at the far blue line. And the one thing I always tell people, and it's very true, is out of one corner of my eye, I saw Hemsky free. And I'm like, oh, my God, if this gets to him, (laughs) we might have a tie game. And we had a tie game. And I remember literally being so excited, which for me is not hard in a booth if you've ever watched. Um, I climbed virtually three quarters up the back of our stats guy to my left by the time the play was over. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily say this about a lot of things, but 
that's a call I feel like I didn't mess up. And I messed up a lot of them, but, but that, one, <laughs> that one I'm pretty happy with how it worked out. Yeah, yeah. still unbe- unbelievable. And a- another funny thing about that that whole thing was <laughs> during the replay, Ray Ferrero just absolutely ri- oh, just ri- crushed him. Just killed Patrick Steffen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he just absolutely annihilated him. And I'm not sure if I should tell this or not, but I will. Um, Cause it's probably not the first time, but those two guys played together in Atlanta. Oh, right. So all I will tell you is I, never sensed that he was a big fan <laughs> yeah i think it, it it definitely came through. i'll let him finish the story at some point but uh, yes it it came through in spades uh, i guess it did holy cow um yeah well let's get to the softball side of things here pete uh sure how uh how did your love for this game begin anyway well i grew up in saskatoon and and you guys are well aware of you know saskatoon's one of the great, I think, softball cities in our entire country. It's my favorite. Actually. So I, uh, uh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was ex- I was exposed to the game at a really young age. Even though I played baseball, um, you know, I remember one of my first softball great memories was in nineteen. I think it was seventy seven. And I went to the Canadian Junior Men's Softball Championship at Gordie Howe Park, which to this day, you know, the original, whatever, they've yep. redone it. It's st- still dynamite, but that place is my all-time favorite. And I remember, you know, my mom driving me basically every day across town so I could go and watch that event. Mark Smith was the star pitcher for the Nova Scotia Dairy Queen. Yeah. And Grimsby, Ontario ended up winning that Canadian championship. And and then, you know, I mean, back in the day, growing up, CFQC television would show the Saskatoon Senior Men's Softball League game of the week on Saturday afternoons. And there would be 1,500 to 2,000 people on Tuesdays and Thursdays watching those games. Wow. wow. So, so I was indoctrinated early, um, just loved, have loved sports and of all kinds, team sports since I was so little, um, took every opportunity to go out and watch it. But then, then the big thing that really probably happened for me is Bob Stainer, who was like a father figure to me, who I met through my baseball coach, growing up in Saskatoon asked me when I was 12, if I wanted to be the bat boy for the Saskatoon Harmony Center women's team. And the four years that I spent around that group, and I tell everybody this and I get pretty emotional about it sometimes is those women and their work and their commitment to excellence, I I learned values that I have kept for my entire life. And so those women, Bob, other people on that staff, those were four of the greatest growing years, learning years about work and dedication and commitment. And, you know, I already had a great love of softball, but to be around that team and, you know, we won the Canadian championship as Mr. Frame found me in a picture and That's my right. sister was, was the bad girl of that team. And wow. she actually went on to a pretty decent little career of pitching her team to the bronze medal at the Canadian championship when she was 16. Um, so yeah, the, the love affair really grew and especially for the women's game, you know, because I'd really never had any introduction to women's sports prior to that at a high level. Mm. So, you know, and then I think I attended every major event in softball in Saskatoon that was ever held from about 1978 to the probably about 2006, 2007. Oh man! So I didn't miss. I didn't miss many. 
Good. That's a perfect question. I was going to ask you about the uh, 1980 Canadian senior men's Nats that the Brookfield Elks won there. Uh, you were there? I, 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 I was there. Um, witnessed one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Um, it's funny because the championship final that I just witnessed, we couldn't call it, unfortunately, because of rain and it had to move yeah, parts right. um, out in Surrey, which sucked because what an incredible... Yeah. You know, 15 inning game that was before Toronto ended up knocking off the defending champs. Yep. Um, but in that event, Brookfield had finished first and had won the A side. But in the game that determined the final, because back then it was a true double knockout competition, in front of a pack park at Gordie Howe Park, it was the Saskatoon Allomatics and Victoria. Gene McWillie versus Rob Ginter, 20 innings. Wayne Wallace won it off the left field wall. He was 0 for 7 in the game. (laughs) Doubled off the left field wall. One of the greatest pitching performances by two all-time greats. Uh, Remember it like it was yesterday. Where I was sitting uh, was not far down the left field line for where the ball hit the wall. And um, the great benefactors, and I don't want to take anything away from Brookfield, but Saskatoon had nothing left right. after that. And if memory serves me correctly, they won that game against Don Bates, who was Saskatoon's second, a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, full marks, they won the game 4-1, if memory serves me correctly, and and won that Canadian championship. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it still goes down as a, you know, huge for this province. And, oh my and of God, course, yeah. the community of Brookfield. As I mean, it should. Oh, as sure. it should. And, what, and actually, the funny thing is about that tournament, you know, you go back and you look at all the, the games that were played in the playoffs. I think there was like six or seven one nothing games. Like, yes. just the, I mean, they talk about the pitching, you know, how the pitching rules have changed and how it's, not benefit for the game, you know, taking one foot back. But I mean, back then they were, they were towing up and they were dragging and won nothing games. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I I don't want to take anything away from, you know, what happens today, but a big change in the game, as you guys know better than I do is bat technology. Right. And, and bat technology has changed so much since then, but you know, when I think about Gene McWillie at about six four, two feet on the rubber, not one. Yeah. Um, to this day, maybe the hardest thrower I've ever seen. Really. And and heavy. Wow. Like the the ball would go through you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So and wasn't afraid to come inside either. I might add. Well, I don't. So, not a lot of guys back then were afraid to come inside either so <laughs> uh, no no they weren't they weren't no. so yeah that uh remember that tournament incredibly well and to this day feel very fortunate and and again you talk about building your softball love affair mm. that was a big part of it too yeah now the first ever isfs i believe they were in 1988 in saskatoon like the first ones in saskatoon uh yeah i think the U.S. won that, did they not? They to... did. Pete Meredith uh, yes, yes. was their star pitcher. Of course, he's from downtown New York. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> Canadiana through and through. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not over that event even to this day. Um, saw every single game in it that I could see. So... My most vivid memory of 1988 in that world championship, which was incredibly exciting, I'd never seen one before, was Canada played the United States, you know, in a A-side semifinal type affair. And Glenn Bones Jevney, who to this day, one of the great all-time change-ups I've ever seen, star pitcher from Camrose, um, through an unbelievable two hitter and Steve Scott in the sixth inning dropped an easy pop-up in right field that allowed the United States to score and win the game. Shit. So 
again, you know, when you're my age, you should probably put those things away. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like losing in sports to the United States, and I sure as hell don't like losing in hockey or softball. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, but, but yeah, that was, that, that was another, you know, outstanding opportunity. And, and that, you know, I mean, that in that stretch, guys, you know, what did I see then? I saw in that stretch, saw my first ever ISC World Tournament in 87, where Michael White led Teleconnect to the title. And then there was that event in 80, in 88. So it was just, it was kind of nonstop high-end events in my hometown for a long time. Well, they have the facility to house all those great games for sure. Actually, Pete, in 1994, I played in my yeah. very first senior nationals in Saskatoon and lost to the Saskatoon Rempel Brothers in the final. Yes, I, I know. I remember that well. Yeah. And I remember you playing in that particular tournament. I did oh, public address announcing for a lot of that particular event gotcha. um, way back when uh, there was a guy by the name of Underwood who showed up late. <laughs> yeah. Did he and, ever show up? <laughs> and did he ever show up? Yeah. Nobody could get a hit. No. And I think he batted about 775 <laughs> by the time the weekend was over. Yeah. yeah he was so, pretty good. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. The first time I'd ever seen him in person was, at the 87 ISC when he was pitching for Owen Sound. And uh, I think that left arm was about seven sizes (laughs) larger than the right arm. I was going to say that because I was 24 years old looking at this man on the mound with his giant Popeye arm thrown at me. Like, it's, oh. who is this guy? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And it and it got there in a hurry, didn't it? Sure, it? Yeah, it sure did. Mr. Hopewell. Yes, sir. <laughs> did he throw? Yeah, he was very good. Um. Peter, I, I got to ask, of course, I know you were on the call in the 2009 ISFs there in Saskatoon. That was, uh, I'd say, Adam Folkert's coming out party, I mean, Australia beating no New Zealand. Question. I mean, what was it like to watch uh, Adam there in uh, 2009? Well, it was funny because I'd heard some good things going into the event um, about him and obviously Mr. Kirkpatrick who is the other star mm-hmm. of that team who still gets a lot of people out. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> at, at this day and age and a, and a fine fella yeah. uh, to boot. But guys, I vividly remember watching Adam in a bullpen before his first game. In fact, it might've even been at a practice before the event started. And I was not very far away from you know, it was on a little diamond, and and Chris, here you'll be familiar, and Randy, you might even be familiar. There, yeah, there was the a practice diamond right, right behind yep. Bob Vandy. The whole area has changed now; it's even more beautiful. Yeah. But, but Australia was working out, and he was pitching on that diamond the day before the tournament, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> does this guy get it there? You know, and at that point. You know, in 09, I'm like, oh boy, this guy looks like he has a chance to be the next great one. And, you know, there he was at 19 years old, a lot like Jack Besgrove this past year. Um, Same age, different hand that they throw with. Right. But yeah, it was uh, it was a treat, except when they beat Canada. But Mm. it was pretty evident. It was pretty evident that, you know because of him and Kirkpatrick that the country of Australia was going to be definitely a world powerhouse for many years to come as a result. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he held New Zealand to one hit in two playoff games is that's especially that New Zealand. That was okay. Yeah, it was okay. (laughs) That's incredible. If if you, if you like almost perfect outside (laughs) of that, he was, yeah, you know, yeah. And it didn't seem to be too phased by the moment. No, 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 you know, and that, and and that to me, when I evaluate sports in any way, shape, or form, hockey, softball, and you know, I kind of like to. My favorite thing about sports actually is watching young, up and coming players, and regardless 
of the team sport to see at some point if they're going to have a chance to play for our country. That's, right. that's really what moves the needle for me in, in every way, shape or form. So, you know, the fascinating thing then, and I don't know, maybe being that young helped him, but never did he, never was the moment too big. Right. And, and that's this, and that's the scary thing for Canada and everybody else. When I think about Bezgrove. Yes. Same thing. Mm. Same thing. Fourteen years later. Yeah. Yeah. The similarities are just crazy. It's just unfazed yeah. by pressure. Yes. And and in sports, as you guys know, um, you know, you can't really look that stuff up analytically. But what I can say is this: I evaluate athletes when it's the most difficult. And so when you are delivering in those kind of neighborhoods that way, that says a lot. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Different breed. So can we, can we get Bezgrove a Canadian passport? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be sick if we could, but yeah, I mean, um, I want to ask about 2015, of course. I mean, everybody that listens to this podcast knows that uh, we've talked about Canada in 2015 there in Saskatoon quite a bit. Somebody hit three home runs in the finals. Uh, <laughs> were you yep. at that? Were you at that event? Uh, no, no, no. It's like the only major event in that city I've missed, going all the way back to the ones I've talked about. It just it mm. didn't work out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, y- y- yeah. Tough one to miss. Yep. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Wolf Blitzer from the Situation Room in the house. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I watched it, you know, on the computer and was dancing around in, in my house. But yeah, that that to this day still takes a bite. Yeah. We're absolute sure. But, but, you know, and I've said this in a lot of different public forums, including it was so great to have a chance to interview Steve during one of our games at the Canadian senior men's, you know, in the last couple of months, Yeah, just cause I'd, I'd always wanted to have a chance to ask him about that day and going through it. And it was neat that he brought up. So I didn't have to, which was nice was the fact that he was struggling going into that championship game. Like it was not the world's best week for him right? prior to that. And then, you know, and I, and I have no trouble uttering this again, forget about softball. That's one of the greatest big game individual performances in sports in our country's history. Absolutely. It 100%. Just, it, it just, it just is. Yeah. Sorry. Three home runs, Seven runs batted in championship game. You hadn't won the world championship since 1992 in Manila in the Philippines. Um, down five nothing in the game against New Zealand. It, it it is one of the greatest efforts ever. I got a question, Pete. Why wouldn't that game have been televised, or would you have an answer to that question? Yeah, I do have an answer to that question. And, you know, the, the thing that absolutely pains me is this. And, and you know, working at the network level for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard part for sports like softball is it costs, you know, to do a network broadcast. Now, we know, and we can touch on that because you think about what, Luciano and softball premier right. TV is, is doing for the game. And, and, and I'm a big fan of streaming and, you know, I do a lot of it outside of just softball the last couple of years, but guys to do a production like that, you know, that's an 80 to a hundred thousand dollar for one game production, right. you know, to do it at the highest level. Um, but the world is changing, but that's really the reason. And at the end of the day, and, you know, we got 
two games on the air in 2009. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hugh Michener did a great job and, and I was lucky enough to be a part of that. And the games ended up getting shown on Sportsnet. Um, but it's always about one thing. It's about funding. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about production costs and production costs are immense. And, but in saying that, you know, including, and not just because I was a part of it, but to have your games available for people to watch, but not just watch, gents, but with high-quality people potentially delivering it with good pictures, mm-hmm. it just gives your sport a brand-new feel. Absolutely. It, 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 it just absolutely does. and. Um, you know, because money and raising money to even have teams like yourselves who could fly across the country, Chris, and participate in the event, I mean, it's it takes a lot of money. Yeah. But for this, but for this sport, which I love with all my heart, regardless of the level, I think it's really important in terms of the growth. To when you have good events, i.e. the Canadian Men's Championship, obviously all the great work Luciano continues to do, is streaming needs to be a part of that equation. And it needs to be sold, and it needs to be sponsored, and it needs to be looked at like other forms of advertising. Because... Streaming, television, call it what you want. It legitimizes your game. It's also a potential recruiting tool. And so sorry for going off on my little tangent. No, that we want you to do that. We want you to do that. 100%. (laughs) It's it's near and dear to my heart. Um, And, you know, and, and again, not just because I'm on this podcast, but a big part of the rest of my world wants to be with opportunities. If people see value, I want to continue to help grow the game. And and I really, and I really do. And, um, you know, I'd love to be a staple and a mainstay for all the Canadian championships at some point. Um, it's something I think about a lot and want to continue to do more. Of. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Like we talk about it all the time about the exposure of our, of our game. Like I could talk to people in my own province, you know, that in, in my business, I do uh, a lot of home assessments. So I talk to different customers all the time and they, you know, we just randomly talking about different things and we'll talk about sports and what have you. And I say, I coach softball. Oh, you coach uh, the law ball. It's like, no, I, I coach softball, like fast pitch. Like, like they throw it 12 feet in the air. I was like, no. So to no. that, to that point, if our game could be televised to some degree that we get more exposure. And as you said, it's a, it's a good recruiting tool as well for, you know, ISC teams, whatever it may be. I just think it would, it would fascinate people to actually watch and see what our sport looks like versus what they think it looks like. I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. It's funny. The first softball game I ever did as a broadcaster was I did color at the 2000 Canadian men's in Saskatoon. And the interesting thing about that event is there was rain all day long. The final didn't even get played until nine o'clock. And yet the game still drew 80,000 people on television. And you, you guys, Wow. probably no, like that's a hell of a number yeah. for, for a one-off rain delayed. And I had really hoped that was actually the first event I ever did for Sportsnet because I ended up joining them literally a month and a half later and moved to Toronto. Um, but I was really hoping that might be the start of something that really yeah. got going, but you know, and, you know, I know Blair and I have had these conversations and I think guys, what's really, really important on the streaming front 
is if we really want to grow this sport, there are people in this sport with some money. Yes. And, and I think what needs to happen, and I'd love to be, you know, planning part of it, any part of it, is to continue to identify events that show off your sport the best that they can mm-hmm. and spend some money to make sure it's presented in a way that is going to draw people. Like it's, it's really worth investing in. You can't do every tournament the same way. No, no. You know, and, and again, that's, that's not our fish to completely fry, but you know, in, in doing the Canadian senior men's and obviously the ISC is an incredible event. And, but we, as a sport, it would just be great to almost put together what I would call almost like a little, you know, we've got Luciano and, and, you know, I can't even just say enough about what he's done for the game and the Mm -hmm. kind of person he is. So if we can build on that and ensure that, you know, you get good quality broadcasts for your best events when your best people play, yep. I'm not sure I'm not sure there's a way to grow the sport that can be much better. Right. Understanding that you can't do it for free. No, no, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. Like it'd be nice to see like, you know, the ISCs are back in South Pole City next, next year. year. I yep. mean that that there would be an awesome opportunity, you know, for the game to be showcased. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but again, here's, here's the other part about streaming. Um, just to go back to it for a minute. So the first thing I always think about is this, we now live in a world and I've been in it my whole life where yes, we want to attract new people to it, but let's not miss out on taking care of the people that care to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm. So softball, yes, is a bit of a niche thing. But I know this about the game. A, there are incredible people in it. B, incredible people play it. And C, there are incredibly loyal people who love it. Yep. So we need to think as much about taking care of them and providing the best coverage possible. You know, there, there was no greater personal thing for me than to feel like when I walked away from Surrey, which is my first men's major event in a long time, yeah. to hear people go, yeah, it was okay to have you call in those games. We think maybe it added a little bit. One hundred percent did. Yeah, definitely. For sure. you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Mm. Trust me, I'm not. But, but what I am saying is, if you have people that really give a shit yeah. and are passionate, that's how you grow it. Yeah, that's how you grow it. Couldn't agree more. One hundred percent. Now. Saying being out there and you know being a part see a part of the men's game there for the first time in a while. What uh, anything that you saw out there that you know piqued your interest? Any players? Anybody anything? scare you? Dark alley wise? <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you. My wife sent me a text I, after the game. Said uh, I'm not sure which guy it was, but someone said they they wouldn't want to meet you in a dark alley. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Said I've met Blair yeah, a few times, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that was me. Oh, that's too funny. Um, no, and then fun. Um, yeah, of course. And that's a, that's a big part of it. If we can't have fun doing this, then oh, forget man. it. I quit. Right. I quit. It's a pretty good game. Um, you know, lots of things stuck out with me. Obviously, you know, to see Ty Sebastian's work during that event. Yeah. Um, I think he's more than put himself in the team Canada, you know, list yep, yep. to move forward. Um, obviously, I mean, what can you say about that great group of players from Newfoundland and what they have done? Yeah. But, but what I really enjoyed about 
being back at it. And it's kind of the same thing, whether it's Denny Benson or, you know, I love it when I see the young up and comers because that's, that's my first thought. Every time I watch an event like that is really who's good at the game, Mm -hmm. who's Canadian. Sorry. That's where it starts. And, and do we have young people who have a chance to play for our national team and play well? Right. So what I loved is there's nothing better in sports. You know, I can watch, I can watch on video or I can look up stats or whatever, but to see all those players for a full week with my own two eyes just gives you such a different feel. So I know that's a general answer, but that was my favorite part was just getting exposed again after a bit of an absence outside of just the guys. Cause the guys I'm most familiar with play for our country. Yeah, bottom exactly. line. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, so this opened me up, you know, to a brand new group of either potential guys or, you know, one of my favorite things was seeing how a number of, you know, listen, starting with your province, I'm as excited as all get out about some of those young kids that mm-hmm. helped Nova Scotia win a Canada Games silver medal. Absolutely. Now, that was a big moment, I'm guessing, in your province, too. Oh, 100%. So, so that's that was a big part of it for me, you know, seeing seeing those four or five young kids who I, you know, I, I don't know why the name is not coming to me off the top of my head, but, but the young guy, left-handed hitter, um, Nick White. So Nick White, Nick, Whitey. if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, Whitey, <laughs> take the next five months and learn how to slap. Because <laughs> when you get yeah. the ball on the ground, you're going to be at first base. Yeah. There was a, there was an incredible American by the name of Bill Boyer, and one of the great outfielders and one of the great slap bunt hitters I've ever seen. And when I watched Nick White get down the base pass, and in fact I had a couple conversations with people who know a lot about the game. Yeah, that was my message. I'm like, I know Nick, you want to hit every ball out of the park. But I hope you realize that when you, if you put the ball in play on the right side of the diamond, you yeah. got a chance to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he was one of them. I'm, I was excited about that whole group of Nova Scotia kids and some of the Ontario kids. And, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Cause I can, you can see the future starting to build. Now we need a Jack Bezgrove in this country. I haven't seen that guy yet, but you know, there's only one of them, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> I think so. We're, we're working on it, obviously. Yeah, there's some good young guys, yeah. good young talent coming up, which is nice. Really appreciate your comments. So that, that's exciting for us too, because we had a big changeover, of course, in our in our on our team this year with some of the older guys, you know, filtering out and the younger guys coming in. So yeah, we're very excited too for the program. There's no question. Cool. And we're back in Saskatoon and next guy, year, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, and that guy throwing for you? Yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> Is any, no, no, I got to ask you, though. Yeah. Okay? Because you see him every day. Yeah. And, and and he was a treat for me. Does anybody work harder at it or care more? No. Nope. And great point, because there is nobody. And people don't see that. That's behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, that guy, for example, during COVID, he would just grab a bucket of balls. He set up a, a hitting net and he pitched continuously into this net, just working on his spins or I'll call him or text him or we'll be talking and he's on his bike in his barn, like just pedaling his ass off to get in shape for next year. The guy does not stop. He pitches two, three times in the winter at our friend's place, Jeff Frazier in his basement and Jeff critiques him and they just work on it continuously. And also I want to say hats off to the guys that go and catch him because he's throwing 80 miles an hour in a basement. That's not well lit. <laughs> Those guys got big kahunas on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, they can go in the back alley with you for that very reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but you're, uh, you're right. He does. There's nobody that works harder than him. 
Nobody. Yeah, Justin Schofield, I tip my hat to you, yeah, sir, nice because I, I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching you, and I could tell on every single pitch you throw yep. how invested you are. So that uh, that was another real treat for me. Nice to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Pete, one thing, one other thing before you go here. Uh, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about the 2019 women's Olympic qualifiers that you called. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, that was such a, you know, special treat for the country to uh, see the girls qualify for the Olympics in Surrey. Um, one of my all time favorite events moments. It was really guys, a full circle situation, you know, to grow up, Loving that women's team, all the lessons kind of just took me in many ways right back there. And it's one of the greatest honors I've ever had in my career is to call my country qualifying on the women's side for the Olympic games. It, uh, it, uh, it, it, it does. It makes me incredibly emotional. I I'm so thankful for that opportunity. Um, I was really hoping to get a chance to call the Olympic tournament that didn't work out for me. Um, but the Olympics are back in 2028, mm -hmm. which is awfully exciting news for the women's side. Um, but yeah, it, uh, they're, I've had a chance to do a lot of things and so proud and, and so fortunate and so blessed hmm. and But that, but that, that one, that one is right. That one would probably be in my top five all time. And, it, and to get to call Kaylee Rafter walk off like that, like yeah, that's just icing on the cake. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we do talk about that once in a while <laughs> when I see her. So yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah, and actually, that one Mexico surprised a lot of people in in that uh, qualifier as well. Yeah, they did. They beat they beat Canada on the Saturday afternoon two to nothing on a terrific three hit performance by Dallas Escobedo. Um, the two programs, it's interesting. You know, they've graduated all their pitchers, and in many ways, both those countries starting over. In, in that area, and we know how important that area is of this particular sport. So um, I, I just delighted the other day to, to know that, you know, those young people, and you guys know it, funding is different when you're in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's, that's incredible for the sport. So I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome. Good for you. One uh, one last question before we let you get out of here. I I've actually never asked this question before, which I don't know why I haven't asked this question. Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> who would uh, who would you have on your Mount Rushmore of fast pitch, Pete? Mister Frame, that there is. Oh, I thought you were saying Mister Frame. question. <laughs> um. No, he's he's not. I I like his podcast. He's a pretty good player, but yeah, hey, be Kitchener in 09. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's that was a testament for sure. Yeah. Um. You know that guy named Fairman is pretty good. Yeah. Um. Wow. Putting him on the spot I, here. I don't, you you are putting me on the spot. Um. Because there's a lot of different ways to look at it, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So you'd almost have to do it in some ways, pitchers and hitters. Um, you know, it's it's hard not to think about Darren Zach mm -hmm. when I think about that. Gene McWilly for me. Yeah. Um, just where I grew up and and all of it. I don't know, guys. There's, there's just that list for me. I'd really actually, you know, it'd, it'd make a hell of a podcast mm. with a little more time to think about it and go back over all the years. And then again, you know, it's, 
it's very much era driven too. That's true. Yep. For sure. You know, you know, because in my world and I find this with hockey too, you know, guys that you grow up watching in a lot of ways have a different status in your mind sometimes than the newer people do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but I, but I will, as we continue and I continue my mind going at a thousand, which it always does. There's a hitter that lives in Newfoundland that is, is on that list for me. And his initials are B E Bradley has a, and there's a, (laughs) and there's another one. His initials are C A Colin Abbott. Uh, Abby was pretty good. Yeah. You know, so it's, there's so many, um, I could go on forever, obviously, thinking about times and memories and situations yeah. and world tournaments. But, uh, you know, those those two guys hitting-wise are, for me, two of the all-time greats. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Listen, now, a lot of guys this year would say the best hitter ever in the world is Patrick Burns. Because that son of a bitch, he batted like a thousand and eleven last year. <laughs> man, he was he, good. He couldn't get him out. No, man, he was so good. We intentionally walked well, him twice to put the winning run on yeah. first base in that playoff game. That's crazy. Him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was standing two feet behind the backstop. Oh when yeah. He did that. Yeah. So, but uh, what a tilt that was. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, what a game and what a performance by those two pitchers, too. Yeah. Mr. Schofield, unfortunately, didn't have much left for the next game. But No, no, he did not. And Yeah, and Steve but Norman. Did, but, yeah, boy, considering that guy came off an Achilles injury. Yeah. To get back to that level, like, a year later, said a lot about him, too. Yeah. That was my first real opportunity to see him in person. Yeah. So Fun fact. That was Steve impressive, was, uh, too. Steve was actually supposed to come with us to nationals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Softball Alberta would not uh, release him to come with us, which makes sense. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, yeah, he was going to be coming with us, which would have been pretty nice for us to have. Yeah. In our back pocket. But at any rate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's where we're going to end it. That's a good way. That's a good way to wrap this up right there. Steve Norm was supposed to be with the mask. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, listen, uh, Pete, got to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I mean, you're, like we said, you're on the road in Quebec right now. Yeah, you're on the way to Drummondville, didn't you Drummondville say? Drummondville tonight? Yeah, Drummondville tonight. The Voltageurs? Um, looking forward to it. My, uh, what, my, a great old, what a great old building. Yeah. Anyway. My daughter's uh, boyfriend, Liam Kidney, played uh, for Drummondville before getting traded to Ramuski last year, actually. Or no, not last year, two years mm-hmm. ago, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that Riley's brother? Yeah, it's Riley's brother, yep. Yeah. It's pretty good at hockey. Yeah, yeah he's, not he's not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Local kid. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I love it. this, uh, again, Pete, thanks again for, you know, you're a big advocate for the game and, you know, taking the time to come on here and, and talk with you, talk with anytime, us. It's been anytime. awesome. I love it. Any, anytime somebody calls me to talk softball, I'm in with a capital I. So thank you for having like me. It. All right. Hope to see you uh, possibly in Saskatoon next year. We did hear some rumblings about softball premier TV with, with when we were speaking with Blair. That's right. Hosting uh, at the nationals next year. So hopefully we get to see you there. I, I, I know a guy from Saskatoon who wouldn't mind going back to call that event. I don't know if you know who he is, but he just might be on this call. <laughs> yeah. That's I awesome. think we know who it is. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we <laughs> yeah. have to hear you, hear you on the call. And actually I'm going to, I, I actually bought the package for the U 15 women's, uh, WBSEs today, so oh, good. I'm going to be hearing you on the call for okay. that as well. Awesome, awesome. Okay, and and you know what? That's when this call ends in about five seconds. Back to work I go on that project. So yes, awesome. All right, Pete. Thanks again. Take care, hey guys. Right? Thanks. Best of luck. Be well. Cheers. See ya. Man, wicked. Awesome talk. He his, loves it, eh? His Man. knowledge of yeah, it, like we talked about Todd Martin having a photographic memory of boots everything yeah peter's just i think yeah way above that like on a totally different level like yeah. him recall nothing stuff. against you marty nothing no no, against no. You. but i mean Randy, him you rec- have a pornographic memory well sorry what? Um, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no he's and being able to recall level. stuff from from the eighties, yeah, and it was just amazing. You know, it's his profession too. Yeah, like yeah, he just, yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. Man. That's so fantastic. Like, yeah, I just love how much he loves the sport, and uh, he he's a great advocate for our sport. Absolutely, moving, moving forward, hopefully he you know has a little bit more of a role in our sport, mm. which would be kind of wicked. Yep. Certainly hope we see him next summer. Yeah. Being able to hear him on the call, you know, at, at senior Nats and, and yeah. possibly the ISCs as well. I yeah. mean, that'd be, because he does such a great job of like, that's what Peter does. I find like you could close your eyes and he relays everything to you yeah. and you would know what's going on. Exactly. And not having to watch it. And yeah. you know, that's a testament to him and how good he is. Yeah. Him and Blair are a great team yeah. for sure. Yeah. Love listening with them. Now, before we, Go. Were you going to say something about the... We have a new resident in our community. All right. That's <laughs> it too. So, uh, friend of the show. Yep. Mr. Tim McCumber has moved into Tim our community. Mac. Yeah. So, it's funny because when he we were texting back and forth, he said he has his glove and his skates and LOL. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> but it'd be nice. He, he offered to help out with some water ball for next year. Mm. Uh, he's going to be helping me with some uh, hitting and pitching skills this winter. Right on. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a... Yeah big name having a community yeah. for the he said he's glad to be oh. back in these dance excellent yeah because he was down in newport which was yeah, last yeah. dance but yeah yeah that's fantastic timmy mac um one thing i'm was going to mention in the intro was yes. otc merch oh man yeah I'm that's gonna, right we're going to be uh having some otc merch courtesy of uh prodigy sports yeah where you can go on their site and order what you like and well, what they have on there of yeah course. what they yeah, yeah sorry it's a select amount of yeah of merch uh merchandise. Hopefully be a great Christmas gift. Uh, yeah, I for, think it's awesome. For anybody out there that wants to get it. I mean, the store's not up yet. We're in the process of getting it worked out. But mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, you know, by this time next week, you'll be able to get your OTC softball gear. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so <laughs> that's wicked. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Maybe that'll help some funding for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Any sponsors out there? Uh, yeah. Anyway, Hopi, another one, another week. Uh, yeah, man. Great, great episode, and uh, we'll see you again. What's in, next in for us? For us, I don't have anything lined. Oh, I do. Maybe have one lined up in two weeks from now. Okay, we I, I don't want to give it away. Don't give it away because I don't want to jinx it. Is it your father-in-law? <laughs> uh, no, no, he's not coming down. Anyway, uh, yeah, another week. Okay, everybody, tune in. Love you all. Take care. See ya. Classified. I read the rules before I broke them. I broke the chains before they choked me out. Uh, now I pay close attention. Yeah. Really learned the code. Uh, uh. I learned to read the map before bounce I hit the road. Hey yo, I know you never heard this before, yeah. but I'd rather lose a fight than miss the war. And I ain't wishing competition or fishing for it. I'm just living in a system, conditions are poor. I've been lost in the rhythm and misinformed. Too many late nights hitting the liquor store. Too many bad decisions, half-ass attempts. No sweat, no fear, no blood, no tears. I go hard, and I ain't making up no excuse. I'm overdue, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Cause you can think about it, man, we're supposed to lose. It ain't all picture-perfect ocean views. No, I was a first-class rookie, taking out bullies in my all-black hoodie. Man, a mystery, you know the history. Get it or forget it, cause poof, I'm out of here. I read the rules before I broke up. I broke the chains before they choked me And I've been real low yeah. I've been beaten and broken But I healed though So many ups and downs Roughed up and clown We all got problems But we deal though I'm trying to do better now Find my inner peace Learn my art form And find my energy When my back's on the wall I don't freeze up Now I find my inner strength And I re-up Here we go I know I've never been the smartest Or wisest But I realize what it takes Never dwell in the dark Cause the sun always rises But gotta make it to the next day It's a feeling that you get In your lungs when you run But you're running out of air And your breath won't come